con su risa, que ha pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, and I should say good afternoon because it's now 12:30. Coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, and also from the foothills of Pikes Peak and uh, Colorado Springs, the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. And I would like to welcome to our uh, World Language Cafe show. And today we have some special guests that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But first, I would like to remind the listeners to hear the shows. Go to radioradio.uccs.edu, right? That's radio.uccs.edu. Um, we've been doing the show four or five years now, and we've had great success. And we're excited that the listeners like the show, and we encourage you to keep listening and tell your friends about our show as well. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank the University of Colorado for supporting the show, and also to the faculty and the students, and especially the faculty and students who have shows that they put on every week for the listeners uh, at uh, UCCS Radio. Congratulations to the radio station for uh, earning lots of awards for the best shows uh, that they've been doing, and they're just a wonderful organization. Special thanks to Kyle Boyle, the station manager. Also thanks to Marge Mystery, who no longer is with us, for helping us start this show uh, some four or five years ago. Today, we have a special, some special guest, and it's uh, the first day of March, and it's a kind of an exciting day for us because spring is on the way, and we also have some wonderful guests today who are just full of life and energy, and uh, they're here with uh, Professor Marcia Stevenson. Professor Stevenson is the director of the Spanish and Portuguese department at the University of Purdue in Lafayette, West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, good morning, Marcia. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Got a great group of students here with me. Yes, and you brought you brought some students today, and we're happy for that. Um, Marcia, can you tell us a little bit about the program and, at uh, Purdue and what uh, what uh, you do there as as the chair of the department? and also what opportunities uh, uh, students could have at the University of Purdue should they decide to study Spanish or Portuguese. Well, thank you very much. Um, we have really dynamic programs in both the undergraduate and graduate levels. Um, for the undergraduates, we have minors and a ma uh, major. Uh, we have two minors. One is a kind of a regular, more typical minor in language, literature, and culture. And, but we also have a minor in Spanish for the professions, where students can take, once they reach a 300 level of intermediate proficiency, they can take courses in Spanish for the health professions. They can take Spanish for translation and interpretation. They can take Spanish, a generic course for Spanish for the professions. And we're designing some other courses in Spanish for uh, the food services and also Spanish for agriculture. So that's a really popular minor. Um, along with our regular minor, of course. What was impressive that I got out of this, that you were uh, giving us a, a great breakdown of what goes, some of the things going on at Purdue, but uh, the, the diversity, the difference, uh, the different uh, uh, courses that are being offered, programs, etc. So we're talking about a program today that's 
uh, much more expanded than it used to be when the, the emphasis probably was on uh, literature, perhaps, let's say, or or uh, linguistics. Is it, Am I right in that, that there's a lot broader? Yes. Yes, yes it's expanded. Um, there's, there's certainly an interest in uh, having Spanish be a tool so that students can engage with the community, um, and they can do that through these minors, or they can also do it through programs of service learning that we have. And I know that we're going to talk about service learning in a different radio show with you. And, and for the listeners, be sure to come back and listen. We're going to have a neat show uh, in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, on uh, service learning at uh, Purdue University. And that should be worth a listen, so be sure not to miss that. Um, so what's the biggest challenge you have as the chair of the department as far as challenges? That, um, is it in a lot in creating the new programs themselves? Creating the new programs has actually been very exciting, and I think we're getting a lot of interest uh, from the students who want to take these kinds of courses Perhaps our biggest challenge is mainly enrollments uh, these days. Um, the general enrollments in the College of Rural Arts have been dropping in the past few years as students seem to be opting to go into other programs of study. So our main challenge is trying to show students that actually learning another language besides English can only help their curriculum beat up their resume that we have all kinds of roles to play as language learners. And it's not just uh, learning grammar and literature, but that you can use your language in learning to improve your communication skills, your knowledge of the world, your knowledge of cultures other than the United States. And so we're trying to get those messages out to the wider community. One of the things the listeners should know is that this uh, idea of connecting today with uh, Purdue University and the, and the students, uh, some of the students that are uh, studying Spanish at, at Purdue, was an idea of Marcia, Marcia's idea. And uh, she, uh, we talked about this at length at the Indiana Foreign Language Teachers Association's uh, Fall Conference. And we have uh, brought it to fruition, and we're excited about that. And Marcia, thank you for all your work in doing this. Uh, we really appreciate it because I know it took a lot of your time to uh, set the, the program up and, and with the schedule of the students. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. We're excited to be here today. And well, and we're excited to have you. And I also want to thank you uh, very, very much for being the, uh, I believe, if I'm correct on this, that you uh, were Dan's advisor. Is that, or, or uh, Dan's, uh, tell me your exact title when Dan was with you uh, for his doctorate. Oh. I was on his committee, but I think Alan Garfinkel was his yes. advisor. Alan was his advisor. You were on his committee. And That's I remember right. he had studied with you, and he totally enjoyed your classes. He just went on and on about you, you know, things. So I wanted to put that a little plug in. And, and as a person, what a great person you are as well, and teacher. So um, we're going to start um, talking today with some of the students. And... Um, Marcia, thank you again for helping us. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, we're going to start with uh, Ana Carvajal. Ana, where are you from? Can you tell the listeners where you're from? Yes, I'm from Medellin, Colombia. And um, you're studying uh, Spanish at Purdue and with an emphasis. 
Well, uh, uh, tell, can you tell listeners uh, about your dissertation and, and what you're doing with that? Yes. Well, uh, I am uh, study, I'm doing a PhD in Spanish literature, and right now I'm working on St. Teresa of Avila. That's uh, the object of my dissertation. Uh, and she was a 16th century Spanish nun, a mystic, uh, very well known, I think, worldwide, St. Teresa. Uh, so, yeah, I'm working with uh, some of her works. Now, when you get graduate from Purdue then, it, it, did you do all of your work at Purdue or you had been at other universities prior to that? I uh, did my master's here and now I'm, I'm finishing or trying to finish my PhD program. I did my uh, BA in, in uh, Columbia, back in Columbia. Okay. Now... So you're, you're going to be, what would, do you plan on doing? Do you plan, plan then on being a university professor? Yes, that is my goal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And are you you're going to teach then in the United States, right? Well, that uh, doesn't really depend a lot on me. Uh, there's a lot of variables that come into play for international students. So it just depends on the job market opportunities that come at the time that I graduate. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of uh, visa involved in, in all of these and, and certain requirements um, that are very bureaucratic. So it depends on, on the job opportunity and the job market at the time that I graduate. Okay. So we're going to come back to you, so be sure not to leave. <laughs> we're going to have uh, a total, I think we're going to try to have four uh, topics of discussion or questions, okay? So... This is like our first round, so please uh, don't don't run away now, right? You got to stay. Don't go out for a <laughs> Starbucks on us. All right. So, all right. Uh, okay, and then we're going to go next to uh, Kate. Kate, um, where are you from now? So I'm from a town, a small little country town called Rochdale, Indiana, which is about an hour south of campus. And so, you, what year are you at Purdue? I'm currently a senior. I graduate in May of this year, so I don't have a whole lot of time left here. <laughs> so you uh, are going to, I believe you had mentioned to us you were going to be a junior or senior high school Spanish teacher, correct? Yes, that is correct. And you're going to probably work in the United States, I assume, right? Yeah, I think so. That's kind of the goal. I'm applying to a job right now, actually. Um, in my hometown at the high school that I went to. Um, so if that works out, then I will potentially have a job this come, coming August. That's um, awesome for you. That's wonderful. Now, do you, uh, do you have, um, um, why did you pick Purdue? It's, it's fairly close to home, I guess, but uh, you obviously picked Purdue because it has an outstanding language program, correct? Right. Well, it's interesting. I actually didn't start um, at Purdue with a major in Spanish. I came here for the pharmacy program. Mm -hmm. So I, that was another major reason. Purdue has a very prestigious and well-known throughout the country pharmacy program. Um, and I was intending to minor in Spanish, actually. Uh, so I, I did about a year and a half of the pre-pharmacy program. Uh, and then I just realized I wasn't happy in the courses I was taking. And Every time I was in the Spanish, you know, classroom or class, I was just much more happy. I knew that was like my calling, so I made the switch, and I'm very happy I did so. Well, congratulations for making the switch, and we certainly 
needs is some great teachers like you're going to be because that's you can tell you have a great passion for for language um so jack now jack you uh, are going to be a major or a minor in spanish right yes i'm currently minoring but i'm um trying to figure out if it's possible for me to double major now what do you think the strong points are about purdue's program in spanish um, I think from like my experience, one of the, like the strongest things Purdue has is like really great teachers. Um, every teacher that I've had in the Spanish department, I feel like has been phenomenal. And, um, I feel like they've been one, just like really willing to like help and like work with you on like all my teachers have been like, oh, they're always open for us to talk to. Um, and just like really, I don't know, they're like more than just teaching you all like the little like grammar things and all of that. I feel like they've just been really great in working with us and really helping us to, like understand more than just just the grammar, more like the culture and everything as well that comes along with the Spanish language. So, um, Marcia, would you uh, probably be in total agreement with that, that uh, that is a strong, strong point in the department? I think we have very dedicated teachers, both of the faculty and our graduate students who are teaching assistants. Um, I know that they uh, work really hard uh, we've always had wonderful reviews of our graduate students and faculty, so I think that it's a really dedicated, we, we loved getting to know our students better, trying to do more activities with them. So yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a, a two-way street. And I, I think for a long time, Purdue's always been great at outreach, and, uh, and you certainly are a good example of that, and it reminds me somewhat of the the days when uh, Professor Garfinkel was there. And uh, we do quite a bit of outreach, and uh, uh, just as you're doing, and uh, he was uh, very, very skilled at that as well. Um, the um, As far as language enrollments go, et cetera, Marsh, this is an interesting question. Is, is on a national scale, because I bet you have a good feel for this, on a national scale, is the study of, of let's say Spanish increasing still? It still is, right? Um, I think it's increasing a little bit, although I think nationally it's also a tendency for fewer students to come into liberal arts. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, is, uh, that is also a nat national phenomenon. Now, um, last, but of all of the languages, I think Spanish is the most popular still. Uh, last week, the, um, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, what is his name? Mark Cuban. Uh, Mark Cuban, right? He said last week that, uh, I don't know if any of, did any of you read that article that was floating around or was on Facebook and um, Twitter, etc. But parts of his article he was talking about or what he had said was that uh, liberal arts is going to be the most important area of study in the future that there will be. Uh, he was talking about future study in colleges and he was really had put a put a tremendous plug in for liberal arts. Did anybody see that on, on anywhere? No. But anyway, it's very pro-liberal arts and uh, uh, about uh, why it's important, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and um, it really was uh, very popular for a while on Facebook and then it faded out a little bit, but uh, very surprising coming from him that uh, he would uh, have been uh, promoing uh, liberal arts, but he was very serious about it. And uh, that there may be a, and many of the other fields are going to be, uh, they'll be overloaded. And uh, perhaps the uh, liberal arts is going to be 
be the place to be. Um, so let's move over to Rob here. Rob, a graduate student uh, at Purdue, and in, in, in what level are you studying? I'm a PhD candidate in Hispanic literature. And uh, can you tell the listeners uh, who your favorite writers are in the Hispanic uh, literature arena? Who are your favorites? That's a hard question. I would say that I really like Cervantes. I really like Don Quixote. Oh yes, um, that's that's good. That's you can't good. you can't escape him in Hispanic literature. It's probably one of the more important, or at least more most studied authors out there. Personally, I really like uh, Reynaldo Arenas from Cuba as well. Kind of like a gay exile writer from Cuba. I like uh, Federico Gamboa in Mexico, and I love uh, Azevedo in Brazil. Mm-hmm. A little bit out of the Hispanic world, but he's one of my favorite writers as well. Uh, that's just incredibly wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Cervantes still is the uh, yeah, the one people for the top being one of the top writers is still uh, still so right is in the Hispanic world. And uh, uh, seven or eight years ago, I did a, a book called La Ruta de Don Quixote, and I got to do the route of Don Quixote, and it was uh, a make believe type book. And Don Quixote meets up with Sancho Panza in uh, the year 2004 or something. I can't remember what year it was. And they rent a car instead of having Rocinante. And they go back to the places, uh, the, 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 the famous places of the novel. And uh, so Last, we, uh, summer, we were studying abroad in Spain. And I got to see the windmills. Yes. Yeah. Consuegra. Yeah. And, and, oh. yeah. and uh, so we, we were in Consuegra and... Uh, Argamasilla de Alba. Uh, we went to um, uh, Las Lagunas de, de Ruidera and uh, uh, Belmonte, uh, and uh, where he was knighted. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name. What's the name of the place where he was knighted? Ah. Memorizing names uh, of places. <laughs> but it's, they exist, and we went to the Casa de, de Dulcinea, where she, she supposedly lived. It was. It was the places that it influenced him in the, to write the novel and, and the characters, etc. It was a beautiful time. And it was, I think it was a, the uh, Cuarto Centenario, of the publication of uh, the, the, the first book of Don Quixote, uh, which was in, what, 1606 or something, right? So it was yes. 2006, when I think, in, maybe when we did the books, 2006. But um, uh, very interesting thing. But Cervantes, yeah, this is wonderful, right? Um Let's um, move to our questions here. And uh, this was compiled by uh, uh, Marsha a little bit and uh, uh, quite a bit, actually. And uh, we're going to start with, uh, we're going to go back to Anna. Did I miss anybody? I got everybody, right? Anna, you everybody. I got everybody. All right. Anna. Okay, Anna. It's your turn here now, okay? Now, okay. If, we'll, we're going to have some fun here. Uh can you uh, contestar in Espanol, okay? You're going to answer this one in Espanol. And we'll have uh, Rob translate to English for the listeners, all right? All right, here we go. Ana, eh, ¿por, qué, eh, ¿por qué estás estudiando Espanol? Eh? ¿Por qué estudias Espanol? Bueno, pues el Espanol es mi lengua materna, pero estudio literatura española porque... Eh, Siempre he tenido una obsesión por entender mejor la historia y la cultura 
Okay, Rob. She was asked why she studied Spanish, and she says that it was her mother language, but she's always had an obsession for understanding better the cultures in Spain and Latin America. Okay. Uh, Anna, now what, what was there one defining moment or person that drew you to studying Spanish? Oh, I think I had several, but um, definitely my, my uh, college teachers, um, uh, the, the two that I remember the most, um, both of them are writers and they, they have published works of fiction. Uh, but they instilled in me a very deep uh, sense of, of, of trying to understand why so there's such a strong relationship between the language and the culture, and I've and I've always wanted to explore that. So I think my, my college my college teachers would be the the main people that influenced me into studying Spanish. Well, that was well said. Well said. Um, so let's go to uh, back to Kate. Kate, why did you pick Spanish? Um, I would have to agree with um, Anna, but for me, it started in high school with my first Spanish teacher, Ashley Moeller. Um, just her stories and her experiences that she shared with us in the classroom of um, her time at Purdue and her study abroad experiences just really made me excited to pursue a minor. Um, like I said, I started in pre-pharmacy and um, then once I got to Purdue, the teachers I had here just made me realize, um, I don't know how many opportunities were out there in the language, um, field and especially in Spanish. And it gave me a lot more opportunities, um, to travel and to meet people than I would have had in my previous career choice. So, uh, I would say it started in high school and then Purdue really enhanced that for me. So the bottom line that I'm getting out of this and Anna's answer as well is that there's this, there is certainly the importance of the teachers that you had influenced you very much, correct? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And which is going to be what you guys are going to be doing very soon. <laughs> so you're, you're going to have people saying the same things about you. And one of the fun things on a show, it's always fun because the, it, one of my questions in, in some traditional interviews and in, uh, is, and sometimes we have people in French on, sometimes we have German on, and we've had Chinese and India, different people from different places. But the, the interesting thing is, when I ask about who their favorite teacher was, it always boils down, comes down to this idea that uh, the teacher has a tremendous, tremendous influence on what people do with their life. And uh, therefore, sometimes I think teachers maybe need to to have uh, realize and, and and be really proud of that because uh, uh, it, the, the power that you have teaching is with with students and the, and their lives is enormous enormous and I wish that uh, you guys would be getting paid more when you start you know, we always talk, you know I still talk about this and 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 uh, uh, but I remember back my first teaching job way way back I, in high school, I was teaching six classes a day, and I got paid five thousand dollars for six classes a day. And it was a Catholic school, a high school, and I coached uh, reserve baseball and freshman basketball. And I did the uh, films of the Friday night football games for the football coach, and I got paid five hundred for that. So, 
but it, we've come a long way, you know, but still we've got a long way to go, you know, to get to get this pay for teachers where it should be, which is, you know, it's not near what it should be. So that's just my editorial there on that. But uh, uh, and I think a lot of people agree with it. Um, so um, and then we're over to um, uh, Jack. Jack, why uh, why did you study Spanish? Um, well, my um, other major is actually pre-med and health sciences, and so um, one of the reasons that I want to um, study Spanish is that I want to be able to use that in the future, because I feel like there are so many Spanish-speaking people in the U.S. today, and I feel like they it would be so much more comfortable for them to be able to speak in their language when they go to the doctors. I know um, I, when I was abroad, I actually broke both of my feet this last semester, mm-hmm. and so, I, yeah. I had to go um, to the hospital. How did you do that? uh, (laughs) I jumped off of a bridge. (laughs) Where was that that at? Oh, that was in in Italy. I was in Florence there. Oh, well, Florence, it's easy to do things like that in Florence. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it wasn't uh, that big bridge, right? It was a small bridge, right? No, yeah, it was one next to it. Oh, it was next to it. I remember that very, very Yeah, well, there was, like, a platform off of it, so I didn't go all the way, like, down. There was, like, a platform that I jumped onto. Yeah, that's, uh, so, but uh, now you're still in pre-med, right? But want to use your yeah. Spanish. What, and so when I when I was there abroad, when I broke my feet, I kind of, like, like I realized, like, they luckily they had a translator for me, but it's so, like, even though I knew Spanish, there's so many, like, words that, like, aren't, like, common knowledge words that I needed to use when I was there to be able to, um, like, explain what had happened or, like, what that, like, I was feeling and all that. So I feel like that's something that's super important because even if, like, someone, a Spanish person here knows the English language, there might be, like, there might be some things I still don't know how to say or to do. So, I don't know, I want to be able to cater to Spanish-speaking people in the future when I am a doctor. Now, sorry, uh, but I also feel like uh, that is a situation of stress and pain, exactly. and when you're in those situations, even if you speak the language fluently, mm-hmm. it's really hard that your brain can connect to that because you're just under so much pressure. Right. You really you 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 can't really think straight. Exactly. Well, oh, that's exactly. that's a great observation on a wonderful observation. Uh, that uh, it, and it's totally true, right? That uh, the stress, the pain. Uh, and when somebody's there to be able to speak another language, it really, really makes a difference. Um, Jack, I want to run back to this doctor idea. Um, you know, uh, Vince, Dr. DeLumpa, the surgeon, uh, mm-hmm. Nate's dad, is uh, he also studied Spanish. And I believe he may have had a double major. I think he either biology and Spanish, perhaps, but he spent a, a semester in uh, Sevilla. Uh, Vince, and he actually has quite a few uh, clients who speak Spanish, that, uh, and he's very, very good at it and skilled at it now, but, but the, it's helping him now in his profession. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, now, do your parents know Vince by any chance? Um, like, it's one of the acquaintances, but not friends. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that about him. That's actually great to know. I'd like, now I'd like love to talk to him about that. Yes. I didn't know that. Well, you know, you should, and if you uh, get my email from Marsha, and things, I'd be happy to, to give you his phone number or connect you with him or email, right? I'm sure he yeah, would love to talk to you. I would love you. that. Thank you. Perhaps <laughs> you could even visit him sometime or, or chat with him about that, you know, about his clients and when, when he gets to use Spanish. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Rob, Rob, what about your uh, studying of Spanish? Why are you uh, studying Spanish? 
I had kind of a windy road because I started my senior year in high school actually learning the language. And so when I got to college, we had an honors program that had the requirement to study at least two years of Spanish to be able to complete it. So then after those two years, I thought, well, I don't really want to lose what I've already learned. So I started studying more and more. I took a literature class in translation. And then after I took that, I was like, well, I really like this literature. So that kind of got me down the road of studying more of the literature, having Spanish minor, then a major. I was going to be, at one point, I was going to be a high school teacher for Spanish. And then I just decided to go to graduate school instead. You'll have a lot less papers to grade, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little more controllable situation. That'd be good. Um, so, uh, Anna, we're coming back to you for, uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit, and especially those people listening, uh, in other languages as well, why is it important to, to study abroad and, and take this opportunity to go to another country, uh, and, and learn the language better, uh, and, and especially, uh, for people studying, let's say Spanish or French, uh, who are not native, uh, uh speakers of the language. Why is it important that they get to the country? Or, and, and the second question to that is, why is it important for any student to, to study in a, in a foreign country, another country? Why is that important, especially with language? I think there are scientific studies of this, um, but I think your brain is no longer the same after you learn a second language and especially you are definitely not the same after you experience a different culture. Uh, it changes so much about you and I think you are even more capable of knowing yourself better and understanding better the place you come from uh, just by having an interaction with different cultures. So I think it, it, it can only make someone um, become a richer person, a and I mean that in a cultural sense, but also in a personal sense, uh, you become a, a better human being. You, be, you become someone with more experiences, more baggage, and you're exposed to situations that otherwise you would never be exposed to. Uh, so it kind of pushes you out of a comfort zone in a way that makes you uh, be ready for new challenges and new problems. Uh, so I think... Uh, being uh, able to, to experience a different culture, especially as a student, there's so much you can gain. Uh, and there's just, it kind of opens a whole new world and a whole new community of people that can potentially be your, your classmates, but also your coworkers, your clients, your friends, your, a, a whole new network. So there's, I think there's really nothing to lose from from the exposure to a different culture. Yes, well, well said. Uh, Kate, can you add anything to that? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, a year ago, right now actually, so spring of 2016, I had the opportunity to study abroad in uh, Querétaro, Mexico. Um, so having taken three years or two and a half years of Spanish here at Purdue, which was of course very helpful in learning the grammar and um, everything, but once going to, to be in Mexico and just completely be immersed in, like, I lived with a family and just going from one class per semester um, of Spanish to taking four classes completely being taught in Spanish with other Mexican students, <clears throat> it was just a completely different learning experience. Um, and you hear day-to-day -day language versus, you know, textbook or um, just more formal language. So it really helps to 
live with the people and, you know, that's it's that's, straight, straightforward. <laughs> that's a beautiful city, Carretero. That was between uh-huh. between uh, Mexico City and that that, yep. city, that city was halfway uh, to San Luis Potosí. And we, uh, years back at uh, IU, we had a, a program for Spanish teachers in San Luis Potosí. And I worked with Dr. Salmon in Latin America Studies, and we, we did this uh, neat program for Spanish teachers in San Luis Potosí. And that was always our halfway mark when we were driving on the bus, because it was like a five-hour bus ride, five, five and a half hours from Dayafe to uh, San Luis Potosí. And uh, uh, so just a lovely place. Was that the Northern Iowa program by any chance? No. No, um, it was just an exchange program through Purdue. Purdue, okay. Um, Well said. And we're going to go to uh, Jack to to see if he can add anything to that. It's going to be hard not to to say (laughs) um, that to it. I studied abroad this last semester in, in Spain, in Madrid, um, and it was great. I, I agree with what both of them said. Only one of the things I would add is just, like, you're surrounded by the language every day. Like, it, you have to think about Spanish. You have to think about the culture, like, every day. It's not something you can just, like, like when you're here, a lot of times you think about it in your class, and then it kind of, like, you turn it off when you go home to do other things. So it's something that, like, it's just constant being around it. That it just You get so much more experience with it, so much more... I don't know, like aware of it, I feel like as well too. So I think that's like the one thing I would add. It's just the constant Spanish culture, language, all of that is just really helpful, I think, and a great, great experience. So did did you have any challenges, Jack, when you were there? Do you remember anything specific that really gave you a challenge? Like Yeah, I would think one thing that was different for me, I feel like than some other people, like in smaller towns, I was in Madrid, so it's like a big city, a bunch of people in Madrid know English. So I think a lot of times I would go up to people and like start speaking in Spanish, and if I was like struggling a little bit, or if I was just like too slow, they just automatically switch to English and not want to speak to me in Spanish. So I think that's, that's one thing I feel like I, my listening, I for sure, like everyone, like, because they would speak to me in Spanish, I could practice that a lot. It was a little more difficult. I'd like to be more active about it to practice my speaking because of things like that. So many people, I mean, I know around the world a lot of people know English, but especially in like a big city like that, just so many people know English that they just don't want to take the time to practice the Spanish, I feel like, sometimes. Uh, Rob, did you have any unexpected discoveries when you've traveled? And, and um, where have the, you traveled? traveled um, I've traveled in the Hispanic world to Mexico and to Spain. In Mexico, I the most difficult part was when I grabbed a backpack and just decided one day to go to the Diafe, the Diafe, and it was kind of weird, you know, walking around the city. You don't know anyone. You don't know anything. You're trying to find a hostel to sleep in that night. It's just kind of an awkward situation. Then you start talking to random people on the bus, and you they ask you questions about the U.S. and about the culture and about things that you've never thought about, and it kind of puts you in like an out-of-body experience where you're looking back at everything you thought you believed before from a different lens. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very, very interesting and and so true, right? That uh, one of the the great things traveling is, is, are these unexpected things or things that we weren't aware of, these little things. Um, What about the, uh, this, the idea of culture? Uh, and I think it was Anna that brought this up while I go. You mentioned culture, I think. What about culture when you travel uh, versus culture when you teach? Uh, are there two different things you're looking at here when you travel? 
like let's say you're traveling and you're in uh, Querétaro or you're in Madrid and you, you see um, some really cultural impact type thing that you see. You're walking down the street and you see uh, maybe it's a sign, maybe it's the bus, what the bus looks like. Uh, or somebody tells you it's a camion or something in, in, instead of autobus in, in, in Mexico. What are some of the things in culture, these little things that happen that uh, you bring back to teach with? Do you, do you bring any of these things back to teach with, these little cultural moments? Uh, yeah, I mean, the classroom nowadays, it's, it's, a, it's a very interactive, interactive space. Um, because of technology, you can incorporate a lot of uh, different uh, kind of materials that you couldn't before. You can show videos, you can you know, bring food, you can show them uh, places. Uh, so it, it has uh, become more and more open, I think, the classroom to uh, exposing students to culture. However, I do think there is a big difference when you are actually immersed in, uh, in a cultural experience in, in, a, in a different place. Uh, because as, as Jack was saying, you cannot turn that switch off. It's gonna be on the whole time you're there. Uh, and it's different when you, you don't see it from, a, from an, a point of view that puts you out of it. Uh, so when you read about it or when you watch a video, it's different than when you are there experiencing, I don't know, a, a different pace of life or, um, you know, the flavors, the smells, the, the people, uh, the crowds. Uh, I think it's the experience of culture. And um, I think that Purdue, for instance, has a wide range of, of study abroad uh, programs that uh, can take people, students to lots of different places. I think I have been lucky in the sense that I, I live permanently in a, a different culture from my own. So I can see that from this point of view, but I've also taken uh, US students, Purdue students to Colombia. So I can also um, evaluate or assess that, that experience as well. And I do think that um, by traveling and by being exposed to a culture, uh, you just gain so much. Your life is so widely enriched and uh, that it transforms you and it transforms the way you see life. Um, and it, I, you know, I have fallen in love with a lot of uh, the American culture. I think that students of Spanish that travel abroad also fall in love with, with the countries and the places they visit. It's kind of a, inevitable to to incorporate that experience into who you are and who you become. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if um, and anybody can answer this and, or just comment about it, but uh, like culture, for example, um, when we talk about culture in 2006, Actfell came up with these, uh, the three Ps, the products, uh, the practices and perspectives of teaching culture and uh, what that means, the productos and the practica and perspectiva with the why they do things. Um, do you feel like the books today and the, the, the textbooks, the online books, do they do a good job with teaching culture too? And I mean, other than seeing it, of course, and we can see millions of things on YouTube about cultures, etc. But uh, is there something that we need to add to this teaching to make it um, more understandable, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yes. 
Um, I think one thing that like culture, it's like even though like Spanish is like it's like over so many different cultures and includes so many different cultures, it's not just like one thing. I know like growing up, like I've like taken Spanish classes since I was in first grade, and like we only learned about like Mexican Spanish, which I think is like great because we learn a lot about the Mexican culture. But there's so many different countries and different cultures that are encompassed in that that I feel like like when I come to Purdue, like. Then we like I had an, a teacher from Argentina, and I was like, she was like saying things differently and like telling us about different things. Like, wait, like that's not what I've learned. So I feel like that's something that's that's different. That it's harder, I guess, because there are so many different cultures. But also, like, I feel like a lot. I know I've like a lot of people I've talked to have said the same thing that we need to focus a lot on Mexican culture just because it's in close proximity. And I feel like a lot of Hispanic people that we talk to are Mexican, maybe because like. Those are the ones that are close proximity, but still, like that's a, I, that's a, a wonderful that's, Jack. That's a wonderful point because um, when you look at the twenty-one or twenty-two, if you count the USA, uh, the countries where you, where Spanish is spoken, uh, there is if you go from one country to another, you can be in Chile or you can be in Venezuela, in Colombia, España, Puerto Rico, Cuba, and you go from these countries and you see that the culture. It's just what you said. It is very different. And you would think that it would be similar and the same, right? No, no, no. And uh, so you can go to one country and there'll be, but even the idioms can be different. The idioms are different. Uh, The idioms. That's my experience when I went to Spain. I had a lot of vocab from Mexico. And I would ask them, like, you guys have totopos? And they're like, what's a totopo? What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I need a popote for my drink. And they're like, what's a popote? What are you talking about? And so it's that weird experience between the different cultures. And and it's it's a big thing. And and I think what Jack said, sometimes in the books or in our approach, we need to take a little more time with the culture and with each country because the foods are different. Foods are different in Colombia and Venezuela and Costa Rica and all these places. There's there's a couple similarities, but there's a lot of differences. There's a lot of different things uh, in the food. There's different things in the music and dance and all these things. So uh, that that's a really good point, uh, Jack, about how do you, how you do that as a teacher. Uh, Kate, I'm going to ask you now. <laughs> how are you going to teach culture when you start teaching? <laughs> I don't know. It's I mean, there's obviously. I think most people experience, like, you bring in food, and I have um, original, or authentic, I should say, um, sombreros de mariachi from Guadalajara. Um, I went specifically there to get these sombreros, where they originate from. Um, But it's just, it's so difficult to explain culture as you learned it without people experiencing it them for themselves. but I just hope to incorporate as many of my personal experiences um, from Mexico into my classroom, my future classroom that's coming very soon, hopefully, uh, as I can. Uh, as well as the, textbook, the textbooks help a lot as far as traditions and customs and things um, of that nature. But I think it's going to rely on me a lot to um, kind of portray the people and like how the people act and react and how they speak, not just the language, but, you know, like just the people, how the people feel, and that's hard to put in a textbook. Yes. Uh, Jack, what do you think about this idea when we carry this further, um, uh, the the culture part? Um, Do do you think that the books, textbooks, the online programs, do they take enough time with culture to really figure out what it is? 
or do we just kind of gloss over it all the time? Are we always moving on? And it's always language, language, a little bit of culture, language, 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 right? And uh, is that not correct or not? Or do the students, do they get tested on culture? Or do they, do they get tested more on culture? Or do they get tested on language? Uh, or do they get tested on a hodgepodge of things? Um, I feel like growing up it was definitely like almost all language. I don't think I got any or very little culture until like high school, I would say. But even then, like most of the culture, like I said, was all focused on Mexico, which is great. It's something you want to learn, but there's so much more. Like I remember when I went abroad, some of my friends were like asking me like about the food there and like burritos and tacos. And, like that is not what they eat in Spain. Like that isn't like, I don't know. It's just like everyone just assumes like, oh, since we learned like this is what people eat in Mexico, like then that's what they eat in every Spanish country. And it's just not like that at all. And so I feel like we, I did get a good amount of culture like in high school and stuff like that, but it was all Mexican culture, which is great. And I love that. But I also loved the Spanish culture when I went there too. And I feel like it's something they should, I don't, it's like hard because there's so many different cultures. So it's hard to focus on that. And it's hard. I know to like sometimes teach it if you don't have an experience it or don't know it. But um, I feel like it's something that would be, more beneficial to at least try to incorporate other cultures as well. Yeah, and it's... The, the... I, sorry, I should I should say, um, at Purdue, uh, the 400 level, 401, 402, is entirely focused on on culture. Uh, so for, for two full semesters, uh, students that are majoring in Spanish, uh, they are exposed to, to mainly a cultural course. There, there, there is a small section of grammar, but uh, it doesn't Mostly take culture. one or two week, two classes and, and a whole unit. So it's not uh, it's it's mainly a cultural uh, course. And what we do in the 400 level is we we study country by country. We go country by country so that students can have a sort of general idea of the you know general differences from you know between between the different country, countries in Latin America and Spain. Uh, so we try to go very quickly on some historical aspects, some cultural aspects. Uh, we uh, try to focus also on, on what's going on currently in those countries. So that's, I think, a good effort I, uh, yes. on the part of the yes. Spanish department to bring more light to the cultural aspects. Yeah, un unfortunately, in high school, in, in high school, that doesn't happen enough. You know, we, we end up in high school, sometimes we get bogged down by grammar and vocab and and this and that. And, and sometimes it gets put in the back burner culture, uh, probably way too much, actually. And uh, and we probably need to do a lot more uh, working with textbook people uh, and uh, the online people about, you know, doing more live culture and, and things like that. Um, what about the impact of studying Spanish? Um, have any of you uh, signed on for any, uh, for example, service learning opportunities at Purdue? Is anybody doing any of that? Anybody can answer now. So just, okay. Have you done that, Jack? Service learning. Anybody doing any service learning yet? I, I, I am. Um, uh, there is uh, an effort right now that it's an initiative, I should say, by some other um, TAs, graduate students in Spanish, they uh, came up with this idea of bringing a part of uh, the, the mission of Purdue is to be of service to the community. So they're trying to uh, uh, kind of uh, build bridges between 
Purdue and Latin community of the greater Lafayette area, which is considerable. Um, and so what they're trying to do is to, uh, through literature and through the, a very gentle approach to literature, uh, bring closer the university to the Latin community uh, in, in Lafayette. So I've been kind of a part of that, but uh, I have to give all the credit to uh, Esther Teixeira and Sandra um, Usuga that are both Professor Stevenson's uh, students, and they were the ones that uh, created this program, and it's now being uh, officially incorporated to, to the department. Now, so it goes out into the Latino community, is that right? Yes. And in and, and a variety of ways, though, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Marcia, does that, uh, how does that affect then? Uh, uh, so what... How would it impact the community then, as far well, as? the program that Anna was describing is called Open Doors Abriendo Puertas. And so what they have done is take the, it's, it's part of a national program, actually, of, um, of service to the Latino community, uh, trying to help people uh, fill out paperwork, get an education, get a degree, that sort of thing. So the two students that Anna mentioned have reached out to that organization, and so they work mainly with parents, women in particular, and they use the writings of the U.S. Latino writer Sandra Cisneros in her short story collection, um, The House on Mango Street. And so they have oh, that. That, that, that's, that was a great book. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful book, outstanding yeah. Outstanding book. And so they have that as like a bridge to have the women there tell their stories. And so the women get to tell about some of their stories, how they got to Lafayette, some of the experiences they've had growing up, some of the difficulties and frustrations and good, good parts. And so it's been a wonderful way for them, the women and the students who are now part of this program to hear each, I mean, it opens a dialogue. How students get to hear about stories and experiences they would probably never have had the opportunity to learn about in any other situation. Um, what, and so it's, it's one, been a really one, great experience. Wonderful, wonderful idea. Incredible. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, Abriendo Puertas, uh, I, I bet you know this. Do you know there was a book called that? Abriendo Puertas? Oh. No, I, I didn't. The only reason I say this is the co-author was a, a dear friend of mine, and uh, Steve Collins, and it was, his name was, the other author was Jose Diaz. It was quite a book, and I think it still used a lot in the AP courses in high school. It was called Abriendo Puertas. Uh -huh. It's a wonderful book. It's a collection of, of, of stories and things. Uh, and mostly it was geared for AP classes in high school, the book. Uh, but what a neat title for your Abriendo Puertas. Beautiful. Uh, it's a lovely. Uh, what about uh, the role of Spanish when you leave Purdue? What are you guys going to do when you get out? Uh, is anybody going to do something? Are you totally sure you're going to be doing the same thing? I mean, you, I mean, I know you're saying you're going to be doing something now. What if some neat opportunity comes along in technology where you can get involved in doing some neat tech stuff, techie stuff in Spanish, right? I mean, have any of you thought about that? I mean, are, is that possible too? I suppose it is, right? I mean, if you do, you, do you have? Is everybody definitely doing what they're doing? I guess you are probably right. I know uh, we've got uh, Kate is definitely going to teach, right? And right. Uh, Marcia, if you uh, remind me, to, it, I may not remember this when I mention it, 
send me an email because sometimes I get notice of jobs for high school teachers in, in, this, in this area quickly for, and for, for Kate and anybody else who might be interested. Uh, yes, you're welcome. And, uh, but um, what about this? Uh, do you think you'll be doing something else or will you be teaching? My, you know, my son went to Purdue and got his, his doctorate there. And uh, through um, great help by Marsha as well, when, when helping him along. And uh, he's um, teaches Spanish at uh, Franklin College and uh, is now the, the chair of the department there. And uh, his wife also teaches there, and she has her Ph.D. from IU in Bloomington. And she got her uh, degree on, uh, uh, she did her dissertation on Maria de Sayas, who was a contemporary of Cervantes. And, uh, uh, but anyway... Uh, a Purdue graduate, Dan, right? And uh, uh, so, but he was pretty sure what he wanted to do uh, yeah, all along uh, that he wanted to teach. But he then he, he taught three years in high school. Then he decided he wanted to teach in college, much like Rob is. Rob is, <laughs> except Rob's just going to start right off there. But uh, uh, he was the same way. And, but Dan pretty much stayed on course. Um, uh, he started out as a, he also had a double major at IU. He majored in Spanish and also in uh, as an undergraduate and in, in, in uh, TV radio. He was in TV radio. So he has a double major uh, with the TV radio things that I think somewhat have helped him teaching-wise as well. Um, so um, um, what about this? Are, are any of you going to do anything? Are we sure we're doing this? I guess that's what I'm saying. Are we all sure? Yes, right? Jack is pretty sure, right? As long as I get into med school, then I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you'll get in. I think you have a passion. I can tell. You'll be fine. And Rob is sure, right? He's going for the PhD. For the job market, so we'll see how things go whenever Anna and I are both looking for a job next year that you're after. Yes. And so, but I think, you'll, you know, I think that the, the field is certainly, uh, you know, there's a lot of interest, et cetera, et cetera, in, in getting new people and new teachers and that we need teachers. I think our country is, we've, we've had a time when we didn't, but now we're in a stage where we definitely need more teachers. And so it's a good time to be coming into, into teaching again. Um, so um, anything you'd like to ask about the radio show? Do you have any questions? Does no. it, does it air every day or what? Every day, every day. The show itself is on Sundays from four to 5 p.m. Uh, they have my show 4 to 5 p.m. every Sunday where it's on the, you know, the whole thing, the whole station plays. They have shows come up once a week, you know, the different shows. Faculties have, the, some faculty members have shows, some students have shows. And, uh, but the, the show comes up on the radio once a week. But if you go there anytime, you can go under Tom's World Language Cafe and they have a list of the shows, Right. And they'll, the shows will be up for, for months, you know, they'll keep a list and you can click and things. So they want it to be up a long time, so yeah. <laughs> they don't have to worry. So you can listen and tell your friends to come and listen. So be sure to tell them to listen. Um, so um, I appreciate you guys being on. It was wonderful. And uh, and especially to have uh, such a distinguished group of students and, and the great professor, Marsha uh, Stevenson, to be here with us in uh uh, in representing the wonderful University of Purdue, which is one of the top universities in the country, 
as well as many of you know, and they have a wonderful basketball team this year. They just beat Indiana University last night, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they won last night. But they had certainly a, a great, great, great university, one of the great, uh, greatest universities in the United States. And we're just proud to have you guys on the show and have a wonderful Spanish department under the direction of Marcia Stevenson and a great group of professors there. And uh, they've been one of the top uh, programs and languages for years and years and years. So uh, thank you for being on the show. And um, if any of you need anything, uh, just send me an email or any advice on anything. And that, not that I know much, but I've just been around a while. So I, mean, <laughs> so I have a lot of friends. So anyway, uh, so if um, no further questions, right? You've been great guests and we're going to have a, uh, as soon as I get this uh, online, I will let you guys know. And again, this is our first show where we featured for the entire show uh, students. Uh, and these are actually uh, pre-university students majoring or minoring in Spanish uh, who are going to use their Spanish in their careers. So don't uh, tell your friends to listen to the show. And uh, if you get a chance, uh, look up Purdue uh, and Google Purdue University and you'll find all the wonderful things that go on at Purdue. So, again, thank you all, and we'll catch you soon. And uh, for our listeners, check us in a couple of weeks because Marcia's going to be back with the service learning students, and you're going to learn all about service learning at Purdue, which is going to be fascinating. So, everybody have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. And we're going to put the song back on again for, the, for all the listeners of Alejandro uh, Fernandez in Canta Corazón. So thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Now, wait a minute. I, I do want to have, before we get off, I want to have these people say some things in Espanol because I know they're really good here. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Rob back here. Rob, va a decirnos algo en Espanol. Rob, Rob, dinos algo de tus planes para hoy en Espanol. Bien? Tus planes para hoy? Sí. Después de eso, yo probablemente voy a ir a casa, echar un coyote y después no sé. Ok, muy bien. Y luego, eh, Marcia, ¿tú quieres decirnos algo también de tus planes para hoy? Uh, bueno, tengo muchas reuniones con otros estudiantes y profesores, así que voy a preguntarle también a Rob qué significa echar un coyote. Es echar qué? Un coyote. Co coyote. No peyote, coyote. No, 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 no. peyote. Well, I can tell you an interesting story real fast about peyote. But anyway, uh, the Huicholi uh, the Indians come to this place in, in San Luis Potosí, in the state of San Luis Potosí, and uh, once a year. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful site in the mountains. And they bring their, their young uh, kids, uh, 15 years old, and they have to smoke. Uh, um, it's, it's peyote, right? That, that's yeah. what it's called, peyote. And they smoke peyote, it's, it's from a tipo de cactus, or that, and, uh, and that to show that they have matured, right? And they're 15 years old. And they do this every October in this place uh, uh, in, in San Luis Potosí. Um, okay, Jack, ¿quieres hablar un poco? Ya quieres hablar un poco en español, ¿ok? De tus planes, por hoy. Hoy necesito estudiar um, por mis exámenes um, y el MCAT. <laughs> uh, es mucho, ¿verdad? Uh, Sí, mucho. mucho, mucho que hacer, ¿eh? Y luego llegamos a Kate, ¿verdad? Sí. ¿Tus planes para hoy? Uh, pues justo después de esta reunión voy a hablar con Marsha sobre una carta de recomendación 
para mi trabajo. Entonces... Pobre Marsha. No, ah, no, no. Vea que no tiene fin. ¿eh? Así, Ana, y algo de Ana, ¿bien? Yo, yo también tengo reunión con Marsha. Bueno, Marcia no va a dormir ni una hora esta noche, ¿verdad? Ah, no, no, Estará escribiendo es cartas hasta las 4 de la mañana, así. Yo sufro mucho con estas personas. Bueno, sí. Bueno, pero qué bueno que hay gente como Marcia en el mundo, ¿eh? Sí, sí que nos bueno, ayuda mucho, mucho. Sí, sí. Ok, pues que les vaya bien, oyentes, y estamos en contacto. Ok, we'll catch up with everybody. Have a great, great week, todos. Y nos vemos pronto, ¿eh? Ok, bye. Por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz.